Good morning, Gateway Church. I have a, a title for my message this morning, and it's this title, Dealing with the Past, Fast Forward. All right, Dealing with the Past, Fast Forward. Now, that's kind of an odd title, right? But it'll make sense a little later in the sermon. We all have things that, that are in our past that we wish were played out in a different way, right? All of us. Have you ever wished for a do-over? A do-over in some area of your life, in some season of your life? All of us have. Of course we do. What if I told you today that I have do-over cards, that you could come forward at the end of the service, and I would give each person here who wants three of these cards, and you could take three of them, and you could have a do-over in three areas of your life. I mean, I think everyone would come forward, all right? This altar would be full. I mean, I know I would. I'd say, give me, can I have more than three? But I, if all you have is three, I'll take the three. And then you could take these do-over cards, and you could go back, and you could fix three things that you would change in your life. Eliminate completely. Maybe that's what you do. You say, this season of my life, I'd eliminate it. I would do things differently here. Maybe you're thinking, I'd go back and change that huge mistake that I made when I was a teenager or a young adult. I think I have, I know I have some, some areas that I would change. I did some pretty stupid things back then. Or maybe it's a relationship that you gave yourself to and it crashed and burned and you're still trying to pick up the pieces of your broken heart. You're saying, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have said this instead. Personally, I know I would change a few things about how I parented. I regret how often I let anger drive my discipline. You know that edge in your mannerisms or my mannerisms, I'm talking about me now, in my mannerisms and gestures and the harshness with my words was wounding. I would, I would do some things different. I would take one of those do-over cards Right here, and I, that's where I would play the card. But I don't know if I want to play the game anymore because it's too hard, isn't it? I mean, this last week when I was thinking of this kind of introduction, it's going, all right, what, what are three things that I changed? And I got to this one, it was hard. I looked at that and I went, hmm, I don't know if I want to go to number two. How productive is the exercise, really? Does anyone here have a problem going back and revisiting the past, wishing you could change it? Let's be honest. There's not a whole lot of value in it, is there? In fact, I would say to you that this pastor didn't give you very good advice. It's not biblical. In fact, I would say... Stop playing the game. Don't think about it. Don't even, don't even wish that you could come up and get three do-over cards because we all know there's no such thing as a do-over. 
It's over with. It's counterproductive to go back unless the past is still hurting you in some destructive way and you have to go back to that place and face it so that you can move on and leave it. You can't live your life. You've heard this before with your eyes riveted to the rear view mirror. You'll keep crashing all the time. So there's a better way. There's got to be a better way to deal with the past than to wish I could do it over. Yeah, I got to leave with something besides that. So it's time for good advice. Are you ready for some good advice? This pastor, Pastor Paul, started off by giving you some bad advice, but there's, an, there's another apostle, the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, who today is going to give you great advice about how to deal with the past. We're in our series in the book of Philippians. We, we come now to this great scripture. I love this one. Last week we, we looked at verses 7 through 11. Today it's verses 12 through 14. Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all of this. You can look at the context and see he was, he was going after the intimacy with Jesus Christ. And he said, I want to know the power of the resurrection Sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain to the resurrection to the dead. Paul saying, I haven't attained all of this. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not yet consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, this is what I do, I forget what is behind I strain toward what is ahead. I press on. I don't go forward to get a do-over. There's no such thing as do-overs. I live in the present. I press on to the future, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to keep that scripture up there for a few minutes. There are basically three ways that we can deal with the past. Two of them are negative. One is positive. The first negative is to relive the past. It's a negative way to deal with it. You go back and rehash the mistakes that you made. You, you mull them over again in your mind. All those negative emotions when you felt back then, when you made those mistakes... You feel those emotions all over again when you deal with the past by reliving it. Secondly, here's another negative way to deal with it. It's to resign to it. It's a negative. Some people surrender to the past. They decide that they will never rise above the past, resign themselves to be what the past has made them. They believe that they're right now living as a product of their past. And that's just the way it is. Have you dealt with some negative things in the past in these ways? I want to share with you a positive way that we're going to see in the scriptures. Thirdly, you can refuse to be dominated by the past. 
We recognize that the past is unchangeable part of our history. But we're more than what the past has revealed about us. And now we have a choice about how to deal with the memories of the past. So here's how we win the battle. And this is where the the message gets very practical and where there's application to be made. Verse 12, this is how you press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. Number one, you, you live with the past. See, to think about that for a moment. I didn't say the words in the past. There's a difference between with and in. With is just dealing with the reality that I can't change it. The Apostle Paul tells us, he saw it in the scriptures, to forget it. Listen to what he says in verse 13. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. As I was looking at this, I was wondering, well, does Paul have spiritual amnesia? Can, can there be some way in the Christian life where we can just totally forget the negative things that were in our past? Is that possible? Because if it is, where's that magic bullet at? All those, all those terrible things that t- took place, maybe some of the things that we did. How do I forget those things? Well, it's impossible to, in my mind, forget everything. To forget every negative part of my life. So it can't mean that. I think what Paul is saying is that we forget in the sense that we no longer allow it to what? Control our lives. In other words, we what? We don't live in it. We live with it. But we don't allow that failure and hurt and disappointment to hold us hostage, to keep us from experiencing God's best for us today. There's a time in my life when these tools right here bothered me. I got a, I got a crescent, crescent wrench, pliers, and a screwdriver. And these are symbolic of, of what I brought to my marriage right here. This is, all, <laughs> this is all the tools I had when I got married. And it just used to bother me. I, I'd look back and look at all of the mistakes that I made. And, and Deanna, you should have seen what she brought into the marriage. You should have seen her shiny toolbox. I mean, she had all kinds of tools in that box. And she had been using them. And she would never say this. And I don't think she thought it. But I sure would have if I would have been her. It's like... You open up your toolbox and this is all you got right here? I married this beautiful woman. I didn't have a model of how to be a husband and a father. I didn't. I didn't really have a whole lot to draw on. I had a crescent wrench, pliers, and a screwdriver. I had some past issues that were hindering me. Now I was in this foreign land 
of marriage with a few tools. Now, Deanna had the blessing to see what a good, healthy marriage looks like. Not perfect, but healthy. Jeannie and Jerry were constantly acquiring new tools through the years, and Deanna witnessed how they used them. They would do these marriage encounters and lead these retreats and go to these retreats and gather up all of this great information, and then they would actually use it in their marriage. Deanna would would watch as, as a little girl growing up, watch how her dad would treat her mom and vice versa. And like I said, it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was very healthy. I didn't have that at all. I mean, she grew up eating dinner around a table with the family in the dining room to a guy who took his plate into the living room and ate dinner watching TV. That's how I did it. Here she is, this beautiful Mercedes, hooked up with a 1971 Ford Maverick. (laughs) Now, you can work on a Maverick with these tools right here. I mean, I think I did. I rounded off the the oil pan bolt a couple of times trying to change the oil. And I come into this marriage, and a Mercedes-Benz is pretty complex in a good way. I'm trying to lead a church and a family at the same time. And when you're learning on the go, you make a lot of mistakes along the way. And man, early in in this marriage, I used to just beat myself up because I didn't have the tools. Deanna would just help me. And together, I acquired a few more. I learned early what it meant to fail forward. All these failures, all these inadequacies, as long as you're moving the ball forward as best as you can, to not live in the past, but to live with the past. I can't change anything about how I parented in the past, but I can today. So how do you win this battle? You live with the past. Number two, you live in the present, right? Verse 12, but I press on. Where do you press on? The only place you press on is in the present, right? To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So one of the ways we do this is replace pessimism with optimism. It's hard to to deal with defeat and failure and come away with a positive attitude. Now, this is, this is something that the Lord's been helping me on. I don't tend to be optimistic by nature. But if I'm going to win the battle in the present, I need to learn how to be more positive. And you're saying, where's that in the Bible? Well, I gave you bad advice at the beginning of the message. I'm going to close with some good advice Biblical advice. For every negative thought you think, and this is going to take some time and effort on your part and on my part, for every negative thought, you have to to replace it with two positive thoughts. One to cancel out the negative thought, and the other to build on the positive. Where's that in the Bible? 
Is this like some lesson in pop psychology? No, it's in the Bible. It's the next chapter. What does Paul say? Whatever is good, whatever is true, verse 8 of chapter 4, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what did Paul say? Yeah. Think about such things. Think about it. Eight life-giving, life-producing characteristics. Now that's, that's easy to say from here. It's a lot harder to do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But if you were to take this verse and memorize it, Philippians 4.8, and put it on top of the neg- negativity that may be coming out of you and in you, I believe it will break some of the bondages of depression and discouragement that sometimes plagues our life. So how do you win the battle? You live with the past, you live in the present, and number three, you live for the future. I press toward the goal, verse 14, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is determined to focus on the future, not the past, right? He's not simply reaching forward. He's engaging his whole body by by giving it his all. He uses the metaphor in that verse, verse 14, the metaphor of running. Paul did that often. He used boxing, wrestling, running here. Now the equivalent would maybe be football in our day. I remember watching what was dubbed the Fog Bowl on December 31st, 1988. I don't know if you remember that game. If you're as old as I am, possibly you could remember this game. It was between the Philadelphia Eagles, Scott, and the the Chicago Bears. And uh, Scott, they won. The Bears won. Scott and Katie are here with us today. In that game, a dense fog rolled in over Soldier's Field during the second quarter. And it was pretty incredible. I mean, the first quarter, I mean, they could see 100 yards down the field. You could see it plain. But in the second quarter, this is what it looked like. You couldn't hardly see anything. I mean, you could see 10, 15 yards out in front of you, and that's it. Doesn't it feel sometimes like you're living life right there? In the fog. I know if I'm in that game and I stop and I start thinking about the past, uh, you know, I'm going to get turned around in that game and I'll probably end up going the wrong direction, right? And the only thing that you can do in that game is figure out who's on your team, who's got the ball, and you got to go forward. When visibility is cut down to 15 yards, that's my job, to go forward. The Minnesota Vikings had a player back in the 1990s, and if you're not a Minnesota Viking fan, you'll never remember this guy. His name was Leroy Horde. 
Does anybody remember Leroy Horde? Wow, we got some true Viking fans in this place. He was a short yardage specialist. That's what he did. That's what he got paid for. And here's his famous line. He said, Coach, if you need one yard, I'll give you three. If you need five yards, I'll give you three. <laughs> That's it. Don't expect me to break one for 10 or 20 yards. It ain't going to happen. But I won't fumble. You can count on me. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to get three yards. Your job. Your job today is to take the ball and what? Go forward. God's job is to get you across the goal line and into the end zone. Isn't that good news? My job isn't to get into the end zone. Even that's where, that's where I want to be. That's where I'm going. But in my own power and strength, I'm not going to make it there. But my job is to stumble forward, try to get three yards. God's job is to reach out, grab a hold of me, pull me across the goal line, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus, do you remember what he said? For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's my favorite part of the whole verse, the whole passage of Scripture. I'm hopeful, not because I can get three yards, not I'm going to try hard, I'm not hopeful in that. I'm hopeful because I know Jesus Christ is on that goal line. And I got the Holy Spirit in me who will enable me and give me the power. And I got the, the Father who's out in front blocking for me. And I got the Father who's behind me pushing me. And there I got the Son right at the goal line. He's got these long arms and these strong hands. And what's he doing? He's just grabbing a hold of me. He's saying, you're going to make it. I'm going to get you in. And beloved, that's how you deal with the past. Fast forward. So we're going we're gonna to end in a way that's celebration, all right? So I'm going to ask the team to come, and we're going to close this way. We're going to sing the song... A glorious day. I want to read the, ver the verses for you, the words. It starts out this song saying, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. Because when you called my name, I ran out of that grave. All right? I, out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called me my name, Paul. You took hold of me, and I'm going to get you across the line. Now mercy has saved my soul. Now freedom is all that I know. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to just release freedom in this place and in your hearts. Today is a day to celebrate. You're not going to be a victim of your past right? You're going to live with your past, but you're not going to live in it. You're not going to live in that past. You're going to live in the present, but you're going to also live 
for the future because Jesus Christ has got a hold on your hand and when you need his mercy, he will give it in Jesus' name.